DiscerningHearts.com presents Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. Through the years, clergy, seminarians, religious, and lay faithful have benefited from Dr. Lillis's lectures and retreat conferences on the Carmelite Doctors of the Church and the writings of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. He's an author of several books, including Hidden Mountain's Secret Garden, A Theological Contemplation on Prayer, and Fire from Above, Christian Contemplation and Mystical Wisdom. In this particular series of conversations, we'll focus on the spiritual writings of St. Teresa of Avila, and in particular, her autobiography. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me once again. Well, it's wonderful to be with you to discuss the life of Teresa of Avila, Teresa de Jesus. Today, we get to talk about Chapter 4, when she enters the Monastery of the Incarnation. I love the fact that she encourages her brother to kind of travel with her, that he should join too and turn away from the vanities of the world. I think that speaks of the dynamic nature of her personality. Yeah. He, in fact, you know, kind of inspired by her sister, she, he will eventually become a Dominican. But the journey that she sets out on, it makes it sound like it's much farther than it actually was. Remember, this is the same brother. The two of them, when they were children, tried to go to the land of the Muslims to be martyred. And that was when they were little and their uncle found them on the hillside and got them back home. And so this time they set out again. The uncle doesn't get to them until she actually reaches the convent of the Incarnation, which is really not very far away from where her uncle found her uh, all those years ago when she was a child. And she enters into the Incarnation, the Monastery of the Incarnation, a, a Carmelite monastery. And she discovers she loves religious life. And this opens up a really powerful reflection on when we go to serve the Lord and all the fear that comes and all the hesitations and how what God can do when we face our fears. That is a real challenge, isn't it? Because our fears are a way of trying to protect ourselves. Maybe we've been hurt or we're trying to protect others. Somehow we put up walls. Fear is quite an enemy, isn't it? It is. And, you know, there's so many forms of it. She doesn't explore exactly all of what she's afraid of, but to go from a life where it's basically self-centered to becoming a member of the community where you're going to be serving others, to go from a life where there's a lot of excitement, to go into a community where in many ways you'll be hidden and kind of cut off from the former way of life that you were living before. These possibly were part of things. The other part of it that I think that we can't underestimate that maybe applies to our lives is to go from a life where you're kind of in control of, you know, you, you have command over what you're doing into a life where you're going to give yourself over to the service of the Lord. What happens if you fail? And I think that was a little bit of her fear, was fear of failure. I can relate to that. <laughs> and I'm sure many people out there who are listening to us can too. But then in this second section of chapter four, this jumps out, and I try to hold on to this, Anthony. She says, 
And the greater the fear it starts out with, the greater and more enjoyable will be the reward afterward. I hold this opinion through experience, as I said, with many very difficult things. And so I would never counsel anyone if there were someone to whom I should have to give counsel to fail out of fear to put a good inspiration into practice when it repeatedly arises. That's it. That if you have something that keeps on coming up in your heart that you ought to do, if you can overcome your fear, the virtue that overcomes fear is courage. If you can master your fear with courage and do it, there's blessings for her. That's the basic message here. Chris, is this something that you found in your own life? Uh, I think so. I think so. It takes time to turn around and look back and say, oh, I'm so glad that happened because these type of experiences generally take time, don't they, to kind of play out. And sometimes it doesn't even look at what you may have expected it to look like or experience. And you have been a part of our mission at discerning hearts, right? We're supposed to discern, we're supposed to test spirits, we're supposed to give time. And yet what Teresa is saying here in some ways says in that discernment, don't let fear be one of the things that keeps you from moving forward. That's right. In fact, I'm I'm kind of, I'm glad you brought up discerning hearts because so many of your listeners probably don't realize the amount of courage that it is taking you and your family to provide this apostolate to all of us. When you first set out to do this, this was an unusual thing to do. And you had no idea of all the different challenges and twists and turns that you would face along the way. And yet there was repeatedly this impulse in your heart to do this, and not only to do this, but to do it in a way that makes it available for everyone. You don't have paid subscribers. You just put this out there for everyone to benefit. That kind of boldness and generosity of your time and energy and resources, just going out there and trusting that God will provide what is needed when when it is needed. I don't know, Chris. I, I think you chose the pathway of Mother Angelica. And anyone who chooses that pathway God blesses them tremendously. Isn't that something that you've experienced? I have. Thank you for saying that, by the way, Anthony. And I couldn't do it without your encouragement and support over the years, particularly spiritually and in great friendship. What I have found, it's a scary type of thing to do something that God is asking you to do. And you have a lot of people around you telling you, well, you should do it this way and you should do it that way. But you know inside your heart, but the Lord wants me to do it this way. Especially when it comes to matters in the spiritual life. You can't give what you don't have. And it's difficult to guide people if you don't respond to his promptings. And the reward, as you were saying, you are blessed, but in ways that are better than what you think. You know, sometimes people think, well, if you have tons and tons of subscribers or you have tons and tons of monetary resources. That's an accomplishment. You're on your way. No, it's the blessings that come from wonderful friendships of people that you know that have been touched by the work of grace that God's working in their life. There are some things that you can't explain why it's so good. 
and I don't mean to make this about me, but it's an example of the influence of Teresa of Avila. She is one of those saints at the very, very beginning who has journeyed with all of us here at Discerning Hearts and has witnessed in her example, even in this very first time when she's in the Carmel, that you don't be afraid and know how to listen to that voice of God who is trying to lead you because the fruitfulness is, I mean, you can see that example in what she has given the world through her own, we can call it ministry, can't we? That's right. The witness of her life becomes kind of a a ministry to the church, a, a witness of holiness. And this is where for discerning hearts to be able to support souls who are also trying to do something beautiful for God, they feel this impulse over and over. I think it was very necessary for you and everyone involved at Discerning Hearts to face the same fears that people who would be listening to this, even this show today have also faced and are facing. And I think there's a whole bunch of young men and women today who God is calling to do something very beautiful with their lives. I think God has called them for greatness. John Paul II said, you know, the world uh, never expects anything from you, but God, he expects greatness because you were made for greatness. And we need to step own that and step up into it, which means facing the fears that the world throws out at us. And part of those fears are if you go and do something beautiful for God, and what if you fail? What happens? How do you pick up the pieces? And that kind of voice is a, a voice that's trying to predict the future. And it's not the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit prompts us to do is to be faithful with the inspirations that we've received. And so you received an inspiration to go and do something beautiful for God. In the case of discerning hearts, Chris's faithfulness to this, Bruce's faithfulness to this apostolate, her family's faithfulness really to this apostolate has opened up avenues of grace, a source of grace for people all over the world. I literally, when I travel internationally, run into people, actually run into people all over the world who know about discerning hearts and have been edified because Chris had the courage to offer something like she has. And Chris, what you've stepped into is actually a spiritual law. Teresa gives voice to the spiritual law. The greater the fear that you need to overcome when you are being, when the Lord kind of prompts you to do something and you're afraid to do it, the greater the fear, the greater the rewards going to be not only for yourself, but for everyone else in the whole world, in the whole mystical body of Christ. So this is a, a very powerful thing. We need to kind of, in our prayer, be aware of what the Lord's prompting us to do, how he's prompting us to do it. And when we are aware of that prompting, there is going to be an onslaught of fears that just come and try to discourage us and try to make us second guess ourselves trying to encourage us away from greatness and into something more modest that we think we can handle. There's going to be all of those fears. And what we need to do as men and women today, no matter our state in life, but especially those of you who are deciding your, your state in life, you need to not let those fears limit what God has invited you into. Don't let them limit your response, your generous response to God. The more you confront that fear, and the more courage you take into your following of the Lord, the greater the blessing is that he wants to give you. And if you live 
by that always greater, St. Ignatius would also talk about that, live by this always greater. God is going to bless you with something ever greater. He is never outdone in his generosity. We'll return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. St. Teresa speaks to us today, saying, Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. O God, who through your Spirit raised up St. Teresa of Jesus to show the Church the way to seek perfection, grant that we may always be nourished by the food of her heavenly teaching and fired with longing for true holiness. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. St. Teresa, pray for us. That we may become worthy of the promises of Jesus Christ. Amen. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. We now return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. And, you know, I'm struck, Anthony, that in this third section of Chapter 4, she talks about how once she, that initial yes, how even 20-some years later, she remembers that, that grace that she received in that initial yes, and how it was bringing her to tears. And then she's so hard on herself afterwards, though, because she said, but then I... I don't think she's saying she lost it, but that somehow she didn't appreciate it at the time, how valuable it was. Am I interpreting that correctly? I think so. The The prayer she offers is, O supreme good, O my rest, the favors which thou hast given me until now should have sufficed me, since by thy compassion and greatness I had been brought along so many devious ways to a state so secure and to a house in which there was so many servants of God from whom I might take example and thus learn to grow in thy service. And so what she's doing is exactly what she's saying. She's looking back on that grace 
it's so important to do this periodically to kind of examine our lives. You can do it over the course of the day. You can also do it over the span of your life and kind of recognize those moments where God is giving you something so very wonderful. And when you do that, the first thing that should rise up in your heart is just how good God is to so generously bless us. But the next thing that happens, and it happens, you and do it at the end of the day, but it also happens over the years. The more you realize how good God is, the more you realize how insufficient our response to him has been. And this is another kind of motivation to be as generous as we can with the graces that God has given us now. Respond as generously as you can, because no matter how generously you respond, you're going to look back at it and go, oh my gosh, I could have done so much more if I would have trusted more. And that's really what's behind this. If she would have trusted him more, so much more could have been done. And it's kind of an admonishment for us that we need to kind of need to be aware of is uh, we think we see the fear. And so we respond so much and we let the fear limit what God might otherwise be doing. The more generously and courageously respond, the more space we give God something good to be with. And we're so limited by our lack of trust and our fear that even when we respond as generously as we possibly can, it's still limiting us. And so we look back and we see this and we realize that God wants to do so much more. The idea isn't to beat yourself up. The idea is to look back and then today I'm facing new fears. Today I'm being invited into a new grace. Am I going to today respond more generously than I once did? Because I know looking back with even the most weakest effort on my part to respond to the Lord. He blessed me immensely. Today, if I uh, respond to him generously, what is he going to do with the graces he gives me today? And that's kind of the the spirit to understand this prayer. She kind of looks back and she, she looks back with regret about how little, small some of her response was, how she failed to persevere with it. And she's doing this because she's kind of saying, Today, let's not make that mistake anymore. Today, I don't want to have let fear limit me and my lack of trust limit me like I once did before. Today, I want to do something beautiful for God and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to give myself over to it because he is so good. The idea in her reflections as you read it isn't that she's so bad, although she's aware of it. Uh, She's aware of the wickedness that lives in our hearts that his grace is overcoming. That's though not her emphasis. If you read this carefully, her emphasis is, oh, supreme good. Oh, my rest. I can rest in the goodness of God. Even when I look back and I see how flimsy my response was, because his goodness to me never decreases. It always gets better. And because it always gets better, It opens up before me new horizons of hope, new possibilities that I could have never imagined before, as long as I rest in that goodness. What's also telling is that once she makes this prayer, she's looking back and she's also seen what, can we call it, well, she says the good fortune 
that the Lord opened doors for her, and it seemed to be through the sufferings of illnesses that she experienced or challenges that she had. At the time, they weren't uh, absolutely don't want to have to go through those kind of things, but she could see even then that the Lord was allowing it, can we say, to help her to see. Is that fair, Anthony? Yes. You know, just to give a little historical context, she has a mysterious illness. The doctor who's treating her has no idea what he's doing. And in this case, the cure, the way he was trying to cure her was worse than the actual disease she has. So the doctor is actually killing her and it will cause her to have to leave the convent for a time. She's looking back at this initial enthusiasm for religious life. She's found her home. She's found where she needs to go. But now she's plagued with an illness. And on top of being plagued with the illness, she has a bad doctor who's not helping her get better. And this is the beautiful thing. Oh, supreme good. Oh, my rest. When we rest in the goodness of God, even when misfortune strikes in the terms of illness and even bad doctors, God is going to work through that. So she experienced this for, well, how long? At least a year or more? Yeah, it's, I think, a little bit longer period of time where she's coming in and out of sickness. What happens while she's sick that is a very important grace for us is she begins to read spiritual books. In the fourth chapter, we learn about one of her first spiritual books that she reads called The Spiritual Alphabet or The Third Alphabet which introduces, talks to her about the prayer of recollection. And it's by a a Francisco de Osuna. And this, she's going to, as we go through her life, she's going to talk about this prayer of recollection. But it's a practice where you kind of submit, surrender all the activity of your soul to the presence of God. And you allow God to become his divine presence in you, you allow that presence to become the orientation point of your your whole life. And uh, she won't always be faithful to the, the practice of this recollection and that these chapters we're reading now are about her struggles to be faithful to it. But it's because she begins to be faithful to it, she is introduced to it and she's drawn to it here in the midst of this illness that God is eventually going to awaken in her a gift of prayer that is going to renew the whole church. We'll continue this conversation in our next episode. You've been listening to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app or on whatever platform you obtain your podcasts. There too, you can also listen to an audio version of the complete autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Beginning to Pray 
with Dr. Anthony Lillis. <laughs>